What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all. As always, a quick disclaimer here. You know, I'm having some technical difficulties today with the software that I've recorded these on. So, I'm having to record it on a, uh, you know, via a different way. Um, So, if there's any differences um, in the sound or whatever than usually, um, that's why. Uh, I apologize for that. Uh, But, like I said, I'm having some technical difficulties. Um, Someone who wasn't having any technical difficulties today, uh, Mike frickin' Adler. Um, You know, we're we're just about an hour um, out from that play happening, that game happening. Uh, Mike Adler with the game-clinching save to put Duke over Syracuse 15-1 to to win their ACC opener over the Orange. A big, big win for Duke. Uh, but honestly, man, heck of an effort from both squads. Duke takes a pretty sizable 12-5 to lead late in the third. Uh, excuse me, late in the second uh, quarter, uh, late in the first half. And it, it, it looks like it's all Duke. And they are just dominating on every single facet of the game. Um, faceoffs, Jake Naso ends up going 24, 24 for 32 in the game. And 9 for 3 in the second alone. Uh, they also, Duke, won the ground ball battle 31-15 to 15 and cashed in a lot of those extra, on a lot of those extra possessions. Twelve of those ground balls came in the second. So, um, phenomenal second period for Duke in this contest. Gets up 12-5. to five. However, however, Syracuse... They're not going to go away that easily. The Orange, they go on a three-goal run from, I believe it was the 9-28 mark in the third um, is when, so three-goal run from like late in the second through the 9-28 mark in the third um, and then they proceed, Duke gets gets one to stifle that little run there, and then Syracuse is able to get things going again, even hotter this time, uh, six straight, including a hat trick from Chase Scanlon, he was phenomenal during uh, the fourth and late in the third uh, for the Orange. Um that six goal run goes from the three from the three fifty mark of the third through the seven ten mark of the fourth. That six goal run puts Syracuse ahead fourteen to thirteen. It's their first lead since being up three two early in the first. However, Michael Sowers, Dyson Williams do their thing. 
they stop the bleeding for Duke. Get two straight. Uh, Michael Sowers ends with three goals, three assists. Dyson Williams with two goals. But Syracuse, they get two opportunities under 10 seconds in the game. With under 10 seconds left, they get two opportunities. You have a wide right shot from Brendan Curry. And then you have a Owen Hiltz feed. And the Curry uh, shot, they were two-man up to start that play. Um, they get the... They, they, they were able to repossess the ball. They back up the ball on the shot. They repossess it with under five seconds left. Desco calls a timeout. They come out of this timeout. Owen Hiltz finds Stephen Rafis on the crease. He gets the shot off despite a Duke defenseman uh, whose name is currently escaping me being all over him, he gets his hands free, he gets the shot off, on the crease, Mike Adler shows up, makes you know what I would call a top three save of the season to secure the win for Duke, they move on to 1-0 and in ACC play. Syracuse drops to one and one in ACC play. Obviously, had that win over Virginia back in was that February or early March? Um, believe it was. Had that win over Syracuse. Excuse me, over uh, Virginia. Syracuse did. And Duke moves on from this one to go take on UNC. And. Syracuse, and that will be a Thursday night game next week. Uh, another ACC Thursday night thriller, hopefully. Syracuse starts to prepare for Notre Dame, who they take on next Saturday. You know, s- some takeaways from this game, man. Like, So, first of all, um, Nakai Montgomery has arrived. You know, you had uh, freaking Matt Ward... Um, Early on in the season, uh, I believe it was their first game, saying, "Oh, the Kyle looks disinterested," um, which couldn't have been farther from the truth. Um, but Nakai played really well; uh, was really a spark plug for that Duke run uh, early in the game. Uh, he had one goal and two assists. He he was part of, I want to say, all th- uh Three of the first five goals, I believe he was a part of. Uh, one goal, two assists in the uh, first quarter. Uh, really, you should say probably was first seven minutes of the game um, is, is when they had those three goals. Uh, got up to 2-0, and then Syracuse able to go on a 3-0 run. Um, but Duke answers, I believe they had two to end the First, uh, and take a. Uh, oh, it might have been three. Uh, no, it was uh, two because it was a four to three lead heading into the second. Um, so N- Nakai, I thought, played very well. Um, obviously, you know, we all know Michael Sowers, we all know Dyson Williams. Um, they did their thing. 
as I mentioned, the Kai did his thing. Um, Jake Naso, I thought, was uh, you know the X factor in this one, if you will. Uh, Twenty four for thirty two at the faceoff dot in this one, including going nine for three in the second quarter alone. Um, Duke, in addition to dominating the faceoff dot, and Favrello, you no, know, did did good in the second half for Syracuse, but um, th- this was Na- uh, no Naso's night. Um, and, 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 and he showed it. Um, the freshman was absolutely uh, unbelievable at the dot for Duke in this one. Um, in addition to dominating the faceoff dot, you saw Duke, and this really stands out to me. You know, when, when I look at a box score, um, if I've not seen the game, I will look at three things. The final score, the faceoff stats, and ground balls are usually the first three things I go to. If you're talking the three like kind of keystone stats, um, I usually go to face-off, ground ball, and saves. Um, could also be shooting percentage as well, uh, depending on the game. But um, th- this was the keystone stat uh, in this game, if you will. Duke, 31 for 15 on the ground ball battle. 31 for 15, 12 of which came in the second quarter. They had 12 freaking ground balls in one quarter. If that doesn't tell you the story of the game, especially at that time in the second, when Duke just goes on this humongous run, um, no, I don't know what will. Um, but Duke was phenomenal off the ground. They took advantage of every single opportunity they had. Um, we saw some lackluster play in the second half. I think they might have gotten a little too comfortable. Let Syracuse come back. Um, some missed passes, uh, things of that nature. And look, credit Drake Porter, um, and Cage for, for Syracuse, 13 saves, uh, from the fifth-year senior, uh, credit Stephen Rafis, credit Chase Scanlon, five goals, one assist, uh, including that hat trick in the second half. Uh, both of those dudes played phenomenal. Uh, Drake Porter, to go back to him, you know, Syracuse's defense was abysmal at times tonight, but he was on point pretty much all game. Um, and, I, and I know some people, some people would probably point out that big stretch in the second and say, well, you know, why couldn't he do anything here? You know, what I have to say about that is there's only so many, there's only so many times where you can bail out your uh, lackluster defense in front of you before the offense starts to tire you out, and that's essentially what happened there uh, late in the second half uh, for the Syracuse goalkeeper. So, good game there, uh, you know, really for both squads. Heck of a comeback effort for Syracuse. You know, there was a point there in the game where I was thinking, man, like, Duke is maybe two tiers above Syracuse, um, and and we'll see the relationship between Duke and UNC next week. Um, but right now, I kind of have them up those the top two, as, as I think a lot of people do. 
um, in the ACC with them being one and two in the nation. Obviously, um, I think in both polls uh, this week, the one and two in the nation. Um, and, and Syracuse, obviously, a top five team in their own right. Um, and, and, and they played like it, especially in the second half. Uh, coming out with that fight out of the locker room to be able to fight back and to you know, tie it, get the lead. Uh, obviously, their comeback effort fell short, but uh, fantastic effort from both squads in this one. Uh, ACC Thursday Night Thriller um, on the ACC Network. Some spectacular lacrosse. Moving on to another big-time game uh, this week that we saw on Tuesday. Uh, despite not having Dehoka Nanakoke and starting defenseman Elijah Gash due to the uh, conference-imposed one-game suspensions following that altercation in the Binghamton-Albany game, the Danes took down UMass 13-12. Um, I was very impressed with Albany in this game. Um, I knew Albany was a good team. I'd seen them multiple times this season. Was very impressed with what they had done. Um, no, this one I think I, I think a lot of people, including myself, you know, kind of looked at Albany and said, "Okay, they're good, but how deep are they?" Um, and I think this one just showed how deep they are. Um, missing Dehoka, missing Gash on defense. You know, this team stood up to the challenge of you know. A very good UMass team, uh, the CAA favorites. Uh, you know, you know, some would probably say the most talented uh, mid-major out there. I don't know if I would necessarily go there, but some have um, that I've seen. I mean, this is this is a very good UMass team, and Albany. You no, know, they stood up to them and they said, "Look, uh, we're gonna win this game here." Okay, so um, and look, UMass. Offensively, looked pretty good. Defensively, I was very disappointed in their defense. Um, I've watched all of UMass's games this year, which is a total of three <laughs> this far. Um, their defense was atrocious in in this game. Uh, Matt Note, you no, know, God bless him. Um, you know, it was a fantastic goalie. But when your polls aren't even pressuring guys on ball. Like that's not that's not that's not how you play lacrosse. Like that's not how you play defense. Um, not at all. I mean, you had guys not even pressuring the ball. Like, come on, man. Like, you're not gonna stop anybody just standing there. Um. So really, I, I was very disappointed out of the UMass defense, and I, I've seen better from them this year. Um, obviously, who they play? Um, the Drexel. Um, and Fairfield are the two teams they played prior. Uh, Drexel, obviously, a uh, well, both a CAA opponent. Um, Albany, uh, their lone non-conference game, um, if I remember correctly, this season, obviously, with uh, their first three games, I believe, getting canceled uh, due to uh, COVID protocols or whatever. Um, so, like, offensively, for UMass, thought they looked pretty decent. Um, Zach Coachman, Caleb Hammett, you know, 
were very good in the second half. And UMass started to put things together. You know, it was a 7-4 to lead, Albany, um, early in the third. 7-4, to um, Dylan Avant, you know, I, I think has been very, very good for UMass um, this season. Uh, the freshman, you know, he really got this this goal, this second half comeback going for UMass. Uh, ended the nearly 18-minute scoring drought. Um, and then, you no, know, the first quarter was a lot like a tennis match, back and forth. Um, and then the second quarter was all Albany. Um, I believe it was they scored two goals and held UMass to zero goals um, there uh, in the second quarter. Um, hey, you know, as I mentioned, the second half, kind of UMass put things together um Got some transition opportunities that they weren't able to get in the first half. Um, 52% of the dot, uh, which helped them a lot. Um, five straight wins to end the third and start the fourth. Uh, what was what was pretty big there at the face-off dot for them. Coachman and Hammett, as I mentioned. Um, and, you know, this, this Minutemen team, they made it a one-goal game with 13 minutes left. And... You know, it. You kind of felt like. You, you felt like they were always there on their heels, um, and they were eventually able to tie it. You know, there was it was thirteen minutes when they made it a one goal game, and really both defenses, both goalies played very well. William Donnelly. We'll talk about Albany here in a second. Um, mentioned their depth on offense with uh, you know Patterson. And Hay and Hogg, um, you know, those guys played uh, phenomenal uh, there. Uh, Kyle Casey as well uh, played phenomenal today. But, you know, Mike Tobin, um, back to kind of going over the game here. Um, Mike Tobin, 327 left in the in, in regulation, causes a turnover, uh, takes it coast to coast. Uh, for the goal, uh, Mike Tobin, you know, midfielder, uh, they were playing both ways for UMass at times. Really good hustle play, uh, really good play offensively and defensively from him. There uh, ties it up at 13. Um, despite their best efforts, uh, you had Chris Ryan with a goal with 127 on the clock. Albany rides, rides it out. Gets thirteen to twelve win. They ride this one into a big time conference matchup on Saturday against Stony Brook. And this is where we're gonna get into talking more about Albany here because like look, early like coming into the season, I had said I think I had said Stony Brook Albany was a toss up for best team in the America East. Vermont was a close third. Uh, Vermont's obviously sitting atop the standings there right now, having beaten Albany, uh, handed them the one loss, the five and one now, uh, lone loss of the season to Vermont. Um, Albany looks like the team. Like when I watched them against Vermont, and then now, it was it's day and night, man. It's day and night, and they had to hoka for the Vermont game. Granted. It was his first game of the season, I believe. Um, 
and he's been really good ever since then, but um, and was good in that game as well. Uh, but this offense, depth of scoring, very, very good, um, as I mentioned. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Um, everyone always wants to talk about the fast-paced play, the transition play, the offense of Albany. The fact of the matter is, defense wins championships at Albany. That's literally the uh, headline of my preview for the Danes back in the fall was, at Albany, defense wins championships. Because it has. Um, Whether it was J.D. Caruso or, um, uh, his name escapes me, the uh, Sikirsky, um, Albany's had good goalie play. Like, when they've had success, they've had good goalie play. Um, and both of their, well, that one uh, championship weekend run, you, Albany's close defense has never been fantastic. But they've had good goalie play. I mentioned J.D. Caruso. One of the best goalies out of Albany ever. Uh, obviously, Bryce Queener was a bit before that, before the Thompsons and all of that. But Albany's had good goalie play. And when they've had success, it's been in large part due to that good goalie play. And that helps spark that transition offense that you see. Early offense, quick offense. And Liam Donnelly has has filled that role to a T this season. Um, he had 16 saves in this one, 12 in the second half alone. I mean, the, the man's just playing out of his mind right now. Um, one of the best goalies that we've seen this season. Playing absolutely fantastic across. Blaze Rudin, that's the other one. Um, not Sikirsky, Blaze Rudin, um, the other one. I don't know why I could not think of his name there. Uh, but Blaze Rudin, J.D. Caruso, Liam Donnelly, um, just another one in that pipeline of great Albany goalies. Obviously, the transfer from Utah. Uh, he has another year of eligibility left as well, I believe, after this year. Um, so he's played very, very well this season and really has been the backbone of this team, if you will. Um, and look, they'll, they'll have they'll have Gash, they'll have DeHoka back for Stony Brook. And I expect to see them play exactly as they did on Tuesday. Um, and, and I expect to see them you know, win against Stony Brook. Stony Brook has uh, had some struggles this year. Um, obviously a talented team, but defensively need to get better there. Um, so I do wonder what that what that matchup is going to be like. Um, both these squads have pretty good offenses. Um, I'd give I would give Albany the edge defensively with Donnelly um, and, and Stony Brook. I mentioned still have some. Still has some areas to clean up um, defensively as well, but uh, both teams looking pretty decent early on in the season. Uh, but Albany, uh, you know, big, big win on Tuesday, a ride in high 
into Saturday. So I would expect them to win that one. Um, some other Saturday games here, you know, the big one is, well, on Saturday, the big one is um, Michigan and Ohio State. Obviously, we had that 13-10 Buckeyes win just two weeks ago. Uh, we'll see if the Wolverines, coming off that Penn State win, uh, John Kirchhoff, 17 uh, career high, 17 saves in that win. Uh, we'll see if they can, uh, you know, capitalize off this momentum and get that win over Ohio State. Um, Ohio State's coming off a 16-8 loss against uh, Maryland. Um, again, n- no shame in that. Maryland is the uh, clear head and shoulders front runner in the Big Ten, but I'm expecting another 13-10 type game there. We also have Rutgers and Penn State on, oh, excuse me, Rutgers and Maryland uh, rematch there on Sunday, and Penn State and Johns Hopkins on Sunday. Uh, pair rematches all around in the Big Ten. Uh, definitely keep your eyes locked there. Going back to Saturday, we have a battle on Charles Street, Towson, and Loyola. Face off at high noon at Johnny Unitas Stadium. It's the 64th all-time meeting between these two rivals. Loyola with a 34-21 series lead. I would expect the Greyhounds to make that a 35-29 series lead on Saturday. They're coming off a 24-10 win over Bucknell. They've been looking really, really good this season. Aiden Olmstead, Kevin Lindley, um, you know, playing fantastic. Lindley coming off a seven-goal outing uh, on Saturday. And then, you, you know, we've had Schaefer and Cage looking good. Uh, Cam Wires, one of the best LSMs in the nation. We'll see. Uh, I, the, the one thing I'm interested in, I, I think Loyola holds the edge on both ends, but the one thing I'm interested in is this face-off battle here in this contest, Bailey Savio versus Shane uh, San, uh, Santora. Santora hasn't been, you know, consistent, consistent, I would say. He hasn't been consistent, I would say. But uh, coming off a 50% day against Delaware um, and Jake Hovada there. So, uh, you know, definitely. And, and Towson, you know. They are one and five, and they they're not looking too too good this year. But um, you know we've seen some progress from them. So you know I I, I don't think this is going to be like last year, fifteen to six. But I do think it's going to be a Loyola win. Um, but as I mentioned though, uh, Santora and Savio is is the battle that I'm looking forward to in this one. I think I think Loyola has has the edge really on both ends um, in this contest. The faceoff dot might be the one area where they don't. Because Savio, you know, he struggled against Lehigh um, just three weeks ago in their first loss against the Mountain Hawks. Uh, Santora coming off a big a big day. Uh, you know, they they got the loss in overtime, but uh, you know, got to feel good about you know. Taking Delaware, you know, to the wire like they did, and, and getting up big like they did. So uh, this one uh, should be 
a good one. But again, I, I think Oil gets the win. Welcome to Denver T.D. Owen. One of the greatest face-off men in the country. One of the greatest face-off men. Or the greatest face-off man in the country. One of the greatest of all time. Has touched down in Denver last week. And he suited up. Ready to go. Making his Denver debut. On Saturday. Against the Providence Flyers. Irwin comes to Denver, obviously, from Yale as a grad transfer. Uh, he will graduate with a Yale degree. I'm still confused on that, but he will graduate with a Yale degree. Um, I'm assuming he probably still has some classes to take after Denver, um, and he'll just take those at Yale, and then so transfer his credit back, his credits back, and whatever. It's uh, confusing, but um, you know he is there now. Um, comes in as the most decorated face-off man in history. Uh, one of the most decorated face-off men in, in the game ever. Um, you know, holds the NCAA record for face-off wins and winning percentage in a game and a season, as well as career face-off percentage and ground balls in a career. Obviously, started at Albany, helped lead them to their program's first championship weekend appearance. 2018, transferred to Yale that summer where he helped lead the Bulldogs to their second straight championship weekend appearance and a second straight national title game at Denver. Irwin joins and further bolsters um, a team that is absolutely loaded. Obviously, they took down Georgetown uh, over a week ago now. Uh, had that game against Villanova canceled, uh, which is why TD's making his uh, debut this week instead of last week, um, if you missed that. Uh, so, Denver coming off a, a canceled game, uh, essentially a bye week over the weekend, uh, but did play Georgetown uh, last Tuesday, uh, well, I guess two weeks ago now. Uh, two Tuesdays ago, I should say. He joins... Former Yale teammates Jackson Morrill and Lucas Kotler. Morrill has been one of the faces of this Denver offense. Kotler has been pretty dang good himself. Uh, Looking at the faceoff dot, Alex Stathakis, the sophomore, has been pretty good. 64% at the dot. Uh, Has been their top option at the dot since his freshman campaign in 2020. Uh, Solid one-two punch there. For the Pioneers. Some other. So that's against uh, Providence. And that's at noon. I believe. Yeah noon. uh, Is when that game is. Actually let me pull this up real quick. This schedule. Make sure I get that right for y'all. No that is at 11 a.m. Okay that's 11 a.m. Eastern time. Providence. uh, Denver. At Providence. Some other games to watch this weekend. Notre Dame and Virginia, the Fighting Irish. Uh, you know Patrick Cavanaugh's been fantastic this year. Um, coming off a you know, win over Cleveland State, uh, they open ACC play uh, hosting Virginia on Saturday. 
the Eilish have looked complete um, all season long. Uh, they're in South Bend. Obviously, I think they're 4-0 and at the moment. Uh, first real, real test for them here against Virginia, uh, who's 6-2, and 0-2 and in ACC play. They're coming off that win over Bobby Moe, where uh, almost gave that thing up there uh, at the end, but uh, they were able to you know, rally themselves back in. Doc's Aiken kind of had his coming out party of the year last Saturday, so we'll see if he continues here this weekend. Marquette and Cleveland State uh, is a kind of a mid-major game I would circle also. This is one that was scheduled on short notice. Marquette having their game against St. John's canceled. Um, Last year, Marquette won 11-10. So this is a close one, Marquette. Coming in the game, looking for their first win of the season. Cleveland State has just one win win thus far, uh, so that should be a decent one as well. Uh, Some other ones that I would circle here. um, Kind of just looking down the UMBC and Binghamton. Uh, Binghamton beat UMBC on Wednesday night in overtime, so that's going to be a good one there. Um, Fairfield and Hofstra, uh, Hofstra coming off a, uh, pause, so we'll see how they look. Um, Marist and Canisius has been canceled. Um, I'm gonna rant about that on Sunday, um, so we'll save that for that, for then, but, uh, Marist, uh, is on a pause, uh, though pause has been extended, unfortunately, uh, so, they will no longer be playing this weekend. That is it for this episode of the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. You can find us at lacrossebucket.com, at lacrossebucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can listen to the podcast via Apple, uh, Google Podcast, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. Have a great weekend and enjoy the lacrosse.